Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour. Kudzu Radio Hour number 126. This podcast was recorded on Saturday, October 31st, 2020. Halloween. Boo. Boo, did I scare you? <laughs> Don't even make, make your own joke. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Go ahead, make your own joke. Thank you for listening to the Kudzu Radio Hour. We hope you checked out last week's uh, two, two, count them, two, Kudzu Radio Hour special editions. The first one was with my co-host, co-host Billy Eli, and we debuted his brand new single, a really cool song called Añejo Nights. And he talks about how the song came to be and the instrumentation of it, etc. So you can check that out um, at the same place you check this out, whether it be on Spotify or on Anchor or on Apple uh, Podcast or anywhere you listen to your podcast. And also, we had another one, count them, two <laughs> special edition. We did an interview with drummer, Austin drummer, Michael McGeary uh, in celebration of the life of Jerry Jeff Walker because Michael uh, was a drummer for Jerry Jeff Walker among a lot of other people that he played for, including yours truly. I was very blessed and otherwise fortunate to... Uh, have Billy Eli bring him in on the Austin Sessions EP that I did with Jim Hemphill and Billy Eli and Joey Parrish uh, out in Texas two or three years ago. And McGarry came in, and what a great drummer. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it on the special edition. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, bootlegs. Those of us of a certain age remember buying bootleg vinyl albums. And most of you will remember bootleg cassettes, especially any fans of the Grateful Dead or the Almond Brothers. But there are so many great bootlegs out there, just so many. And um, we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about uh, each guy is going to suggest a Halloween song for you. We're going to play a round of um, High Fidelity, our little game that we like to play. Oh, just all kinds of great stuff happening. Uh, we want to uh, give a tribute to not only to Jerry Jeff Walker, but also to my buddy, the great, the incomparable, the great songwriter, singer, entertainer. I was so fortunate to meet and know, a little, know him a little bit. Billy Joe Shaver. 2020 continues to suck, folks. We have really lost so many great ones. And then today, one of my favorite actors, James Bond, passed away. The great Sean Connery. It just keeps on. Well, you know, that's the thing. They always say those two things that we all have in common is we death and taxes right we all gotta go but it doesn't make it any easier when we lose these great talents 
But the great thing about people like Sean Connery, Shaver, Walker, Eddie Van Halen, Mac Davis, all these, they left behind huge bodies of work that will keep their memory alive forever. Kudzu Radio Hours brought to you by that little old band from Los Angeles called the Boxmasters. One of my favorite bands. They got a smoking hot album just released called Light Rays, and it's getting rave reviews from coast to coast and around the world. Got hit singles already off of it called Satellite Guy, Breathe Easy, Light Rays, and Learn to Be. In my in my humble opinion, Light Rays is the band's best album ever, and it's available on vinyl, uh, CD, and downloads. Be sure to follow uh, the Boxmasters on social media, theboxmasters.com. Also, the official Boxmasters on Instagram. And follow them on Twitter, uh, Billy Bob and the Boxmasters. Um, that being Billy Bob Thornton, the actor, director, screenwriter, all around nice guy, who is also a killer rock and roll drummer songwriter, singer. How can one little guy have so much talent, you ask? I don't know, but he does. He's that good. The Box Masters. Read all about the uh, plans for the big tour next summer that's going to take them around the country and to Europe. It'll be some European Box Masters action going on. The Box Masters. TheBoxMasters.com The program is also brought to you, as always, by Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Healthy, 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 healthy protein. Get more information or order online at SpringerMountain.com. That's SpringerMTN.com. Not only is Springer Mountain Chicken healthier for you, but it also tastes great. I will tell you, it tastes better than your average chicken. It's so good. Springer Mountain Farms. Tell them the folks at the Kudzu Radio Hour and Kudzu Magazine sent you over their way. Tell Gus and Susan that we love them and we love their chicken. And you will too. Be sure to read the latest issue of Kudzu Magazine. We've got another one coming December 1st, but issue 39 is out there right now. And if you haven't read it, I implore you to do so. The cover story is an interview with a true living legend, Muscle Souls songwriter singer Dan Penn who has a superior new album out. Fantastic album. We also have an archived interview with a former songwriting partner of his named Chips Moman. And uh, so much, so, so very much more. Uh, we have a feature interview with a great Southern rock band called Georgia Thunderbolts and a tribute to our buddy, the late Charlie Daniels by many of his friends. The first ever artist spotlight is on who? The Boxmasters. 
we count down their best songs so far. Uh, there's just tons and tons of stuff in this issue, and it's all free at kudzumag.com, K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G.com. So we're going to do the program, but we're going to kick things off in a Halloween kind of spirit, okay? Uh, we're going to kick things off with one of my all-time favorite cats, Alice Cooper, and a beautiful, tender little love song for Halloween. Welcome to my nightmare. We'll be right back after this tune.
Well, hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of the ever fun Kudzu Radio Hour. And uh, so, so glad to have you guys with us today. I want you to make welcome uh, three really great guys that do this program with me. All three are musicians and musicologists and double knot spies. Uh, I'm going to, because I did this last week, and last week, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. Last week, it was technical difficulties combined with, I had migraine headaches and everything, and everything just fell apart. But it's going to be great today. We're going to make up for it. I'm going to make up for it. But I, uh, I want to introduce Billy like I was going to introduce him last week by introducing him in my native tongue of Spartanburg, South Carolina. <laughs> we have our own language. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome him, some bitch crazy, Billy Eli. Hey, bub. How's everything in the Sparkle City? <laughs> uh... Are you there? Did you say? I am. Did you yeah, fall I ask off? Yeah, I, I ask you. I ask you how things are going in the Oh, park I'm sorry, I couldn't. I had the volume down so low, so it wouldn't feedback. I didn't even hear you. Things in Spartanburg. Let me just tell you, Halloween. Yay! My favorite holiday, uh, other than Groundhog Day. But it's um, uh, it's absolutely beautiful, sunshiny. It's like spring. Um. Of course, the temperatures are a little kind of kind of cool, but uh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. And I was out driving today, and I was like, "Man, after we do the uh, radio program, I've got to go out and go to the cemetery, which is my favorite place to walk. Get myself a little walk, crank up some tunes on my iPod. You know, I mean, it's beautiful in Spartanburg, and we wish you were here." I wish you were here every day, but fat, unfortunately, you're in some state that I've never even been I'm to. I'm in Whoville. I've never, you're in Whoville. I've, yeah. one, one of the few states I've never been to is that uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. It's also one of the states I can never spell correctly, by, by, by the way. And it's got a lot of letters in it. It's got a lot of letters. It's got more letters than the alphabet. Um, and also... Please welcome also our other two guys, two of my favorite, favorite bootleggers. You know Sure they are. They're uh, Patrick Beach and Jim Hemphill. Hi, guys. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. So so nice yeah, this is our Halloween episode, man. We're, so we're nice to have you here. Oh, oh, oh. My, my Dracula always goes into the count from the Muppets. I don't, that don't make any sense. But. Or, or Count Chocula. <laughs> <laughs> one Jim Hippiel. <laughs> well, there's only one Jim Hippiel. That's um, right. Before, okay, so. And, and for that, we thank God if there is one. As, yeah, as I know, do I. I know. Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> actually, you know, I, I just discovered the other day, I never knew, Jim, that you, uh, until I talked to Billy, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you were actually an attorney. And I thought today, if it if I didn't have so much that I wanted to play already, I was going to dig out Jackson Brown's Lawyers in Love and play it for you. Maybe one day. <laughs> there you go. He torches at twilight, baby. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, um, I uh, wanted to say that a couple of things here. Um, 
before we get underway, I just want to give a salute to the memory of Billy Joe Shaver. Uh, they're dropping like flies, folks. Although, I they mean, like, like Billy Eli said, though, uh, he's so uh, Texas is getting hammered, it. man. Mac Davis, Roy Head, Jerry Jeff Walker, Eddie Van uh, Halen. Billy Joe Shaver. I'm talking about just Texas. Oh, just Texas. Man. Oh, yeah. Johnny and Bush. Just, just Johnny, Johnny Bush. Bush. Just Texas songwriters. I'm hiding under the bed. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. A buddy of mine uh, was talking. We were talking. Oh, well, it was Joey, Joey Parrish. And we were talking, and uh, he uh, posed the question What are we going to do when Willie dies? And I'm like, we're Don't even sad. mention it. If. When that when Willie dies, we're gonna have to have like a I'm gonna have to have like a month that I'm just I don't talk to anybody. Don't you mean? Don't you mean if Willie dies? No, if he dies, he somebody he might not be able to because he may be so preserved. Well, he's got a song about you know. I'm not sure I want to be the last man standing. Oh wait, maybe I am. Maybe yeah. I already am. Yeah. And, I, and you and you, you read his book. Keith Richards, man. Did you read his book? Roll me open, roll me up, and smoke me when I die. <laughs> Haven't gotten to that. That was so good. I I figure the last people on earth, man, it'll be a band with Willie and Keith. <laughs> Willie and Keith. Yeah, and they'll call it the cockroaches. Um, hey, uh, you mentioned Joey Parrish. I just just flashed on this because I'm. We, uh, I don't know if people in the audience know we're zooming this so we can see each other. And Jim's in the Jim's in his in, uh, in his studio there where uh, you made uh, where you did that EP and you brought Joey with you and yeah. you and Jim were working on you and Jim were working huh? on some track and me and Joey were going to go to lunch and I, I took him to uh, I took him to Dirty's and he ordered the jalapeno burger and it damn near killed him. <laughs> It, it almost you know that day you nearly killed he, he was he was sweating you nearly killed me and him that day at that place because we had not had real tex-mex i don't think ever because in spartanburg tex-mex is you know not real um, it's taco bell it's taco, no well, it's not taco bell but it's somewhere in you know guadalajara some kind of i don't know but he um <laughs> Whatever I ate that day nearly killed me because I overdid it. And I remember, all I remember about that restaurant was you and him drinking more Lone Star beer than I've ever seen two people drink in my life. Uh, oh, you're not hanging around with the right people, are you? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, we are going to, uh, though, but Billy Joe Shaver, like you uh, pointed out, Billy, uh, he did have a pretty long life, and it's, it's amazing that he actually, I mean, you didn't say this, I'm saying this, it's amazing that he, you know, lived that many years as hard a living as he did. But, but he, you know, I just love somebody that goes out there and just, you know, just well, gives he, it everything they got, he, and he did. He, he lived hard, and I don't just mean that kind of honky-tonk, you know, drink, drink too much and, and carouse too much and, and, uh, and shoot not, people. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> not, but not just that. I mean, he, he was like Willie Nelson, man. I mean, them guys came up hard, you know, they came off the damn hard scrabble farms in central Texas and, and just, you know, bone crunching poverty. And, and I mean, just their lives were just hard. And 
Whereas somebody like Jerry Jeff, I mean, yeah, he lived hard, but that was all self-induced. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. He, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't come up in a family full of sharecroppers. Well, I got to give a shout out right quick to uh, the. Um, um, we did start because last week's show didn't come off. I started something new called Kazoo Radio Hour Special Edition, and the first one I did. These are both available uh, for folks to listen to. And it's easy to find them on the Anchor page. You can also find them on uh, Spotify and. Uh, Apple Music and all that kind of, uh, I mean, Apple Podcast. But uh, one of them was a show with Billy Eli here. And uh, we talked about his new single, Anyeo Nights. And we played the record and we talked about a very interesting story, how it all came to be. And uh, I hope everybody will listen to that. And also purchase the purchase the song when it comes out and 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 what December first December first and I hope there will be a subsequent album of equally compelling material, but it's a very very yeah, good. There, there won't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, there there, there won't be. Thank you for sharing. Uh, but the. Uh, the guitar player on that lower, is really good, by the way. Uh, lower, yeah. lower your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lower yeah your real expectations. Low. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, know, know, you maybe, always maybe say we'll that, a, but maybe we'll do a big ten bucket project. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. That's big a, ten bucket sounds good. Yeah. Uh, also, we did a uh, another show because Billy suggested it, and I did a interview with drummer Michael McGarry speaking of the album The Austin Sessions that we did with Jim Hemphill and Billy Eli and Billy brought in Michael McGarry to play drums who played for Jerry Jeff Walker and one of the greatest most proficient drummers and I told him I said you know I've never seen a drummer come in and put it down and get out so quick in my life I mean he got it done man he don't fool around and he's good. And we talked about that. And, we, you know, uh, I appreciated his honesty. You know, uh, Jerry Jeff Walker, great force, great songwriter, great performer. But, you know, Michael didn't pull punches as far as, you know, yeah, saying we're, exactly we're what... could be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, saying what the guy was, uh, you know, really. I mean, because Michael kind of put it on himself. Uh, in a way, saying, you know, maybe I just didn't understand him or whatever. Well, <laughs> Gerf Mor- Morlick had one of the best quotes. Gerf Morlick said, the best I can say is we tolerated each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, uh, it was interesting. Uh, and I, and I, in the next issue of Kudzu, among the millions, many millions of things we've got in it, I'm reprinting. One of the first interviews I ever did was in 1991, and it was Jerry Jeff Walker. And uh, that was when they sent me out to uh, South by Southwest, and I met him at a bar at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, he was very nice. It was very drunk, but he was very nice. And uh, so anyway, it was fun talking to him. But um, Billy Joe Shaver... I had him on the cover of uh, Grits Magazine, and I uh, just had a, it was a joy uh, the two or three times I met him, and I've told this story before, and I may have told it last week, 
and then got erased. I can't remember. Forgive me. Uh, I'll just tell the quick version. My greatest favorite, 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 favorite Billy Joe Shaver memory was being at the um, Americana Music Conference in Nashville. And I was in the green room. I just spoke, got through talking to Mavis Staples and Jason, who I can never pronounce his last name. Was it Ringberg? Ringenberg. 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 I was talking to Jason and Mavis, right? Then I go over and, you know, it was an open bar in the green room. So I walked over <laughs> and uh, Tony Joe White was there and I just got through interviewing him. And he said, hey, Buffalo, want to get a beer? And I'm like, yeah. So I got a beer. And we sat there on the bar stools. And then Shaver came up and sat on the other side of me. So I've got Billy Joe Shaver, me, and Tony Joe White. And Tony Joe White said the one single greatest line I've ever heard in my life. He says, hey, Buffalo, you need to change your name. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I think you need to change your name to Buffalo Joe so it can be Tony Joe, Buffalo Joe, and Billy Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to write above this. But anyway, so Shaver, uh, what a great talent. And, uh, and uh, you know, for those of us who believe in the afterlife, I'd like to believe that he's up there with his son that he loves so much, Eddie. Uh, Eddie was just a phenomenal. Oh, guitar. yeah. He was, yeah. And maybe, oh. maybe, maybe if he is up yonder, he's got all five fingers back. Yeah, yeah, he got it. He got, he got my finger back when I died. I never knew that's like a bonus, a bonus. Yeah, digit. we're gonna we're gonna be talking about bootlegs later. But uh, yeah. Shaver, back when Eddie was still with us, played this bar in Houston a lot called uh, called Dan Electros. When our friend Jim Mendenhall owned it, they played there a lot, and Jim recorded every single time they played there. And every time we would go down to play. Jim would be blasting some of his home recorded bootlegs of the Shaver band. And they were so good. God, when when the son, when his son was in the band, it took on like a whole new vibe, like on that electric Shaver album and all that kind of stuff. And Trampler Street. And and, yeah, that's, I saw him a couple of times and I love seeing Bill Joe by himself. But the one time I saw him with Eddie was like, Oh my gosh, it was like a, yeah. they inspired each other, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, moving right along, um, I did want to say we're going to be talking about bootlegs later. And uh, I know for, for what it's worth, I had a quick bootlegger story. This has nothing to do with anything. Back in the ninth grade, I had an English teacher I really liked a lot. And we had a, fr- a friend named Keith who would come in. And he always, you know, he didn't have much money, kind of like me. <laughs> so he couldn't afford school lunch, but he brought his lunch in a brown bag every day. And uh, my English teacher, Mr. Smith, um, in ninth grade, one of the first African-American teachers I ever had, James Smith. God, I loved that guy. And uh, he um, he would call Keith brown bagger. No, no, bootlegger. Brown bagger. Call him bootlegger. Hello, bootlegger. And I was like, you know, that's pretty funny. And that's it. every time I mention hear about bootlegs, my mind goes back to that for some reason. Now 
enough completely wasted everybody's time and put them to sleep. Uh, let's just throw down right quick. This is just, all this is, is I want y'all to tell me, each one of you to tell me, uh, if you were putting together a uh, Halloween tape, what song would you put on it? Billy Eli, I know what yours is, but go ahead and tell me. It may, I couldn't see the Halloween in it, but go ahead, tell me. Well, it's a, it's a slasher thing, man. Uh, <laughs> the song about uh, it's, all, it's kind of a Zotico polka by uh, DB Riley called "I Got a Girlfriend," and it's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the video was incredible. Yeah, he he. They clipped all them things together, and it's been it's got some of the best. It's got some of the best lines from a from a uh, from a songwriter's point of view ever, man. Was it ever every minute of every day? Her heart is in my head. The rest of hers in a hefty bag underneath my bed. Oh, I gotta go back and listen to that. I think the music was so peppy that I didn't pay that much attention to the words. Yeah, no, you no, you gotta listen to the lyrics, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and with the yeah, the part about keeping her lips in the jar formaldehyde. Oh yeah, that sounds like fun. Patrick yeah, Beach, yeah. what's your Halloween song? It's not a Halloween song, except of course, to, except tonight. <laughs> It's a Halloween song. Oh. Okay, what do you got, man? Tonight, for the first time since I think 1994, we've got a blue moon on Halloween. <coughs> so, my Halloween song just for tonight is Blue Moon. I'm thinking of the version we know best by the Marcells from 1961. Oh, yeah, yeah. My favorite awesome. version was by Shana Na, but that's okay. <laughs> Well, uh, it turns out this song was written almost 30 years before that by Rogers and Hart for a movie that either never got made or the song got cut. And so they didn't make any money off that. And then the lyrics, Hart's lyrics initially were pretty dark. So he wrote, rewrote the lyrics for another movie and it was featured in that movie. But the lyrics were still pretty dark. And Rogers said, uh, you know what? Let's take another crack at this and make it into a, a pop song and and heart says oh damn it you bastard okay i'll write a third set of lyrics and uh, it was popularized by among uh, other things other people i should say billy holiday frank sinatra uh somebody else popular at that time also did it and then the marcells turned it into a you know they sped it up it was up tempo doo-wop and tonight we've got a blue moon so that's appropriate oh, for that's very cool that's very cool this halloween Jim Hemphill, what's your uh, Halloween-ish song? Let me first let me do one comment on Blue Moon. Listen to the first couple lines of Eric Clapton's guitar solo in "Sunshine of Your Love" because yeah. it's Blue Moon. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Halloween song. I mean, you know, I think of novelty songs and everything, and I kind of came up dry. You know, everyone says Monster Mash is a Halloween song. I don't think uh. it mentions Halloween. So I figured, what what's you know what what is makes a Halloween song scary? Scary Monsters, Super Creeps, uh, David yeah. Bowie, title song of my personal favorite Bowie record, Mine Scary too. Monsters. Yeah, uh, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps <coughs> with the great Robert Fripp guitar parts, and it is just a tr terrific song. I'm not sure what the song is about, but it's called <laughs> Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, so that's my Halloween song. Oh, Good man, what a great pick. I, I'm so glad you said that because that album – I've talked to people before. They go, "Oh, hunky dory," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But scary monsters. Uh, that uh, and I just love it. like up the hill backwards and all that frip and um, God, that scream like a baby. 
Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to me, you know, it comes it comes right after his his Berlin trilogy, yeah. which was, you know, experimental really? and arty. And he had Fripp on some of that. But then it also harkened back to his rock and roll, you know, his Diamond Dogs, Ziggy yeah. Stardust period rock and roll stuff. It's just to me the perfect balance of all of, of what made Bowie great. So yeah, love yeah, that record. Came out at the right time for me too, you know, in 80, I think. And I just played the living daylights out of that record. Yeah, so me too. Me too. that's my pick. Cool, man. Mine, uh, mine is uh, a show that, I mean a show, <laughs> a song that I played at the top of the program. You guys don't know this, but uh, my very favorite Halloween-themed person ever is Alice Cooper. So, of course, I opened it out with a Welcome to My Nightmare, Enjoy. which is a happy, happy memory uh 1975, going to see Susie Quattro opening for Alice Cooper in Charlotte. And um, I'd seen the Killer Tour, and it was great with the original band. But the Nightmare, with all the theatrics and everything, it just blew me away. And, yeah, that's uh, a theater show, man. That's it was just vaudeville and theater that's, and that's everything theater. I love. Yeah. Hey, let me just say, a testament to the way you guys think, um, and we had made the no monster mash rule, but uh, nobody nobody did werewolves in London, which is kind of cool. <laughs> man. We, well, Run. it's a great song, but I mean, but a little, but kind of obvious, you know. And, yeah. and everybody got everybody kind of got off the got, got outside the box, you know. So but that's great. That's the great thing about this group of guys is they uh, it never fails to surprise me. That I mean that. I would we don't never usually, hear. We don't these, usually go for the. We don't usually go for the low the hanging obvious. fruit here, man. Yeah, the yeah. obvious, the obvious, and uh, and you know, it's like, how many times can you hear Monster Mash? Uh, speaking of Monster Mash, though, speaking of Monster Mash, um, in that Michael McGarry interview, he, because of your suggestion, he told me his Bobby <laughs> Boris Pickett story. Wasn't that, wasn't that a great story? It was a great story about manufactured breasts um, yeah well yeah right <laughs> you have to yes and if you want to know the rest folks you got to listen to the interview um, he, he, t- he told that yeah he told that story uh on a break a session me and him and jim were doing and and he was like hey man let me tell you something that happened, happened to me in hollywood <laughs> All right, we're going to do this. we got so so much packed in here. We're going to go through uh, in our lightning round here. We're going to go through and do a... uh, uh, We've changed it a little bit, folks. Uh, We're uh, on recommendations. On the recommendation of Jim Hemphill, we're going to each of us do (laughs) one thing that we'd like to recommend to you this week, whether it be a book, a record, a movie, a TV series, and there, I've got like a dozen of them, so I'm just not going to do them. So anyway, um, first of all, let's go ahead, Jim. You give your uh, recommendation this week. All right, thanks, Buff. Well, I'm going to do a I'm going to do a record, and I've done a lot of old records. So to change things up a little bit, this is actually a record that came out in 2020. On the other hand, it's a couple of 70 year old guys singing 50 year old songs. So, you know, so it's not exactly new. It's billed, it's, it's billed as the Monkees, but it's called The Mike and Mickey Show Live. And it's the two surviving Monkees, uh, Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolans, who, who have been out on tour and were supposed to still be on tour. But, of course, that, that got stopped. 
this, but it comes with a caveat. This is not for your casual monkeys fan. If you like Last Train to Clarksville, I'm a believer, I'm not your stepping stone, all great songs, right? But don't buy it if that's if that if you're kind of a casual monkeys fan, because the beauty of this record is there's, I don't know, 28 or so tracks, and a good half of them are Mike Nesmith compositions. And it's songs that never ever got played live before. I mean, if if you're excited by titles like tapioca tundra and andy's municipal court and uh the door into summer and circle sky then this is the record for you if those mean nothing to you then just take a hard pass uh but it is so great they, they're out with a great great band christian nesmith michael's son is is one of the guitar players and he produced it and did a fantastic job of production it's just a a real crack band the keyboardist is the guy who uh who also has toured with brian wilson just really, really good players and uh, and some, you know, uh, some Nesmith Monkeys classics that not a lot of people know, but those of us who do are obsessed with them. So great record uh, if, if you're into that kind of thing. That's my recommendation for this week. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Thanks for um, sharing. I, that's a, I never actually heard of that at all. I didn't know that it existed. And that's the great thing about this program and being on this program I'm sitting here writing notes down every week because you guys keep coming up with things that I've just got to hear. And, and you know, I'm a Monkees fan, but I've still never heard of that. I mean, you know, I need to check into it. Big, uh, huge fan of anything Michael Nesmith's. That's Any kind of why I'm a Monkees fan because of Mike Nesmith. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, he was. Uh, right. Well, they were, well, I mean, they were all great. And even. Well, they were. But again, man, being a songwriter guy, I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah the songwriters to me and, and every band to me that, you know, it's like one back to Toy Caldwell and Marshall Tucker and all that. The ones that wrote the songs, you know, a lot of people say the vocalist in the band is the most important. But to me, the songwriter is the most important. Because yeah, without a great song, and Tom Dowd told me this, he goes, you know, Michael, he says, you know, you got to have a song or you don't have anything. And yeah, and Dolan's, Do, Dolan's was a great singer and still sing. you know, he's 70-something years old. He still sings all of the songs in the original keys. Um, yeah, wow. I always thought he was a great rock and roll singer, man. Nesmith, Nesmith dropped some stuff a step or two. Uh, but but uh, Dolan sings everything in the original key. He can't. He doesn't have that high range he used to, and the tone of his voice. So has changed, uh, Mike's still alive. But, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, but so they he's. Do, um, it's just the two of them. Mike and Mickey are the only two left alive. Yeah, I remember and, when Peter uh, died. It was recently. Well, they've got yeah, a, You know, they, the two of them just had a thing going all the way back. They they talk, talk tell stories about how they used to sit around the set and sing harmony on Nesmith songs because Nesmith was the only one who was writing songs. Right. And Mickey had such a great voice. And to me, Nesmith was a great singer too. And right. uh, and uh, so they had a thing, and it's Nes- it's, a, it's a cool little record. Nesmith was a quirky little vocal stylist and i still think that man i mean he's he's his voice has got that uh, you know it's one of those things that he, is he a great singer well i think so but but i like his voice but uh dolan's you know cl- kind of a your traditional classic rock and roll singer he even said that in one of the interviews man uh, how he, he got to when they were uh t- you know, material was being pitched to him, and, and he said, I was really kind of the only guy in the band that could just go, yeah, you know, in that, yep. that kind of rock and roll thing, man. So, yep. 
Uh, anyway, yeah. Billy, 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 Billy recommendation. Uh, Dr. No, in honor of uh, the passing of Sean Connery. Oh, there you go. Uh, the first uh, first James Bond movie and was so cool. That that was the one that had the machine guns that came out of the fenders of the car. That was yeah, great. And, and, and everybody's seen it multiple times, man. But it's a great little piece of nostalgia, a little... Great little kind of '60s time capsule, and uh, you know, and and Connery was great as as 007. So yeah, it was my yeah. favorite Bond, but before, uh, and very I good. didn't, I didn't know he was dead. Yeah, today uh, he, he, he yeah, died last night this morning. Yeah, damn, damn, <laughs> he was 90 years old, man. I mean, yeah, he man, he had a pretty good life. Um, yeah. Well, me and uh, Patrick, we're going to tag team you on because uh, we both want to recommend the same album. Pat, go ahead and throw it out there for them. Yep, here's the Tinker to Everest to Chance move. It is, uh, it's out all of eight days officially now. Bruce Springsteen and the U Street Band's latest letter to you. We were talking last week in the show that never was about how, uh, you know, he was... He, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce was raised Catholic, and if you're raised Catholic, it's kind of like working for the CIA. You, nobody ever really leaves the company. And uh, on, I've listened to the record six or eight times now, and this is an extremely Catholic record in places. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, not like somber like The Rising, which is obviously about 9-11 and seeing Mary and things like that. There's a song, there's a song on this record about... Uh, Jesus in buckskins and the outlaws have the same excuse and the house of a thousand guitars and fun stuff. It's not, it's not entirely somber, but thematically it reminds me a good bit of Lou Reed's magic and loss because he's talking about being the last man standing. Uh, so I'll be, I'll be interested to hear what your pick is, Michael. Well, my pick, uh, 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 Patrick is, uh, an album by Bruce Springsteen and the E street band <laughs> cut a letter to you and i was uh fortunate enough this week to also see the documentary that he did that accompanies this album on the making of it and man was it fascinating and um but i mean you know 71 years old and still the boss but Mm -hmm. you know i've been a fan since oh since the first album all the way back but to me, uh, a letter to you, kind of is the E Street Band's best album since The River, in my opinion. I mean, they're all great, but this is just so good. The song, a letter to you, uh, uh, the song, the power of prayer, the uh, yeah, uh, so many. But the great thing about the album that really thrilled me was that Bruce went back and pulled like three or four songs that he'd written in his 20s and cut them for this album and one of them one of my favorite Springsteen songs I had it on a demo bootleg in the early 80s it's called If I Was the Priest the lyrics are so you know at that time in his 20s he was writing a very Dylan-esque um lyrics you know like blinded by the light yeah. and all that stuff from to, the green to a fault Park. and to if a i was fault. a priest is so you talk about catholic uh and if jesus was the sheriff and i was the priest uh 
and it goes on and on and on. And every word, I always wanted to play that song. And now I've just decided that if the good Lord's willing and the creek don't rise and I'm able to get back out and play again, I'm going to do the uh, demo version that he did, which I liked a lot. But I like the version on the album, but it's kind of dressed up, uh, dressed up for church. And I, uh, I like it. And uh, what I mean dressed up for church, I mean dressed up real in its finery. And the but cool the, thing is uh, the way they... The demo was just him on acoustic yeah. guitar. And, and the cool like thing is the way they... On the Nebraska album, when Sorry, he did all his songs. That's my... The cool that's, th- I love that. That's my wheelhouse. And one more so thing anyway, about this record. Uh, a letter to you. I guess I've played it 25 times. I mean... Between that and the pylon box set, and a couple of other things, I uh, but especially Springsteen, I just uh, I can't say enough good about this album, and the, and I do recommend that folks check out the uh, documentary, A Letter to You, because it's uh, a whole lot of insight into how he just got everybody into the studio and they kind of put it together in the studio yeah that's and i, I really learned a good bit together. about how it must be kind of a pain in the ass to work for bruce because <laughs> i mean he's not very easy going on these guys i mean they've been together forever but he he'll he'll straighten them out in a heartbeat if they hit something that he don't like you know it's like he calls it because he's calls got it the ben- image yeah. in his mind <clears throat> and he knows what he wants and i just respect that he calls totally it a benevolent respect. dictatorship. One of the he greatest albums of the year, maybe of the decade, maybe of the century, maybe of my entire life is A Letter to You by Bruce Springsteen. How about it? Mm. So uh, enough ranting about that, I guess, for now. Uh, we, lost, we lost Billy. I had my eyes shut, opened my eyes up, and then Billy wasn't there. Uh, is everybody still hearing everything Okay. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, good, good. I was scared that I was like, "Oh no, don't let anything go wrong." Billy uh, might be going to have his uh, Griffey call. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, what we're going to do here is we're going to take a little bit of a break because we'll come back. And we'll play. Uh, you know, we're going to play a song and then come back and we'll do our little high fidelity thing and then we'll get into our topic. Uh, but uh, for right now, let's go ahead. And do this song here. I could. I wanted to play a Shaver song, okay? And I didn't know. I wanted. I thought about George on a fast train or something from the uh, Shaver, uh, Billy and the Kid, or something. But one of my all-time favorite songs, title track from a song he album he did called "Old Five and Dimers Like Me." So I'm playing that, and uh, I love that uh, ring you got there. Um, <laughs> Is that your ringtone? <laughs> no, I don't even know what that means. That makes sense. All right, we'll be right back. I've spent a lifetime making up my mind to be more than the measure of what I thought others could see 
Good luck and fast bucks are too far and too few between. Cadillac buyers and old five and dimers like me. She stood beside me, letting me know she would be. Something to lean on when everything ran out on me. The fence yards ain't whole cars, and like as not never will be. Reasons for rhymes and no five and diners like me. So long now that I know I believe all that I do or say is all I ever will be. Too much ain't enough for old five and dimers like me. Too far. All right, that was the uh, incomparable Billy Joe Shaver. Old five and dimers like me. I like that one, and I hear the ambulance going by my house, which happens every 10 minutes here where I live for some reason. But uh, anyway, um, yep, in memory of Billy Joe Shaver, another great one gone. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to find my place. Oh, here it is. We're going to do our little high-fidelity game right quick. This is just something fun, wacky. Um, I'm going to give each of the guys a uh, little topic and see if they can, uh, how quickly they can come up with an answer. The uh, For Patrick, top five club concerts you ever attended. Clubs. Uh, number one. Number one is so easy. Uh, the replacement at Amelia's in Iowa City, Iowa, mm. in about 1986. <clears throat> Absolutely just the best show I've ever seen in a club. Killer. Uh, the second one that popped into my head isn't really a club. It's more of a smaller venue. Um, well, hell, who's going to do at Amelia's in Iowa City <laughs> in about 1987? Um just last year, 
uh, here in Austin, Jim and I went to see Stiff Little Fingers. Uh, neither of us had heard them, and they're one of my all-time favorite punk bands. And amazingly, even though they're down to one original member, it's the one that counts, and they put on an outstanding show. Um, that's three. Um, the first time I saw Junior Brown during South by Southwest at the Continental Club. Oh yeah, that's, that's four. Um, see, this used to be my job. I mean, I've seen thousands of. Oh shows. yeah, no doubt. Me too. Yeah. Well, for number five, I'll go with the Bottle Rockets. And <laughs> I think it was at a, at a club called Bags in Des Moines when I was yep. up there. Uh, yep. Right when their first album came out. And the second guitar player was playing with a broken leg. <clears throat> I knew there was something special right away. That's my five. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Bottle good Rockets. List. Bottle Rockets, man. I, I saw them at the Handlebar in Greenville, and it was just... Uh, I was just, I had a perpetual smile glued to my face that whole night. And they're, they're still great. They're still absolutely Ain't no great. doubt about it. No doubt about it. Okay, Jim Hemphill, here's a completely different kind of question for you. Um, Uh-oh. Well, it's not hard at all. I mean, not at all. My questions are so freaking easy. Five <laughs> artists, five artists, living or dead, that you wish that you could have met and perhaps worked with Ooh, that's a good Ooh, one. Ooh. uh sure okay uh alex chilton is one oh, sure. yes. i know lots of folks who who met and knew alex but i never had the chance so there's one uh number let's see number two Oh, you said living or dead, right? Not yeah, just exactly. Dead. Oh, okay. All right. I was thinking dead. All right. Well, that opens the field a little bit. Okay. Why not? I got to mention him every every show. Mike Nesmith, number two. You already have mentioned him. I know. We'll mention uh, him number, again, yeah. number three, uh, uh, David Johansson. I was waiting for a doll. Okay. Well, the, the obligatory <laughs> mentions got there. Uh, number four... I interviewed him once on the phone, but that I'm not going to count that as meeting him. So I'm going to say Richard Thompson. Oh, uh, and number five, Chrissy Hind, because just to get, <laughs> just to, just to work with someone who could, who has that power and charisma would be, would be awesome. So those are my top of the head five, man. Good. What list. in the world would you, how in the world would you work with Richard Thompson? What would you do? Run the monitor mix? No, I, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like Chris yeah. Farley. I'd be going, hey, remember remember when you were with Fairport Convention? Remember? I would just, I, I, I would just, I would just say, table? no, no, I'd just say, let me play some chords. You were awesome. <laughs> you go nuts and I'll play some chords. Well, I wouldn't even play chords around Richard Thompson. <laughs> I'll be Clive Gregson. I wouldn't uh, I could, plug in. I wouldn't even oh, like Clive, man! God, I love yeah, like, Clive. Yeah, like Clive. I was uh, it was one of these days. I'm going to do a um, recommendation and dig back into the uh, Gregston and Collister albums 
because that uh, one of the albums that they did, um, it was one of my favorite records for like an entire year. And that girl, Christine Colster, God, what a voice. Wow. Oh, I just thought of one more that I got to mention. That's G.E. Smith. I would love oh, G.E. Smith. Sounds like a, such a totally cool guy, a yeah. great player, and he's got the best stories because he's played with everyone. And he saved Bob Dylan's concert at Greenville when I, was a, when I went to yeah. see him in 1992. And G.E. Smith and them were the band. And uh, we were sitting there going, you know, thinking about leaving after the fourth song. I'm, I'm sorry, but it sucked. We couldn't understand, you know, Bob decides, I guess on the day of the show, how he's going to interpret the songs and it completely changed everything. And you couldn't understand what song was being played until, I mean, he was just like, and then you hear Masters of War. Oh, that's Masters of War. Okay. Why did I not know that? But G.E. Smith steps out to the plate and just, um, God, it was fantastic. He uh, has got a you just troll YouTube sometime if you're really, really bored and for him telling stories. He has a great story about how he got the Dylan gig. I'm not going to waste time by telling well, no, and, uh, YouTube. It's but, a fantastic and, and, story. And as a human being, uh, you, you ever read that story about how he... Uh, he saw that, you know, he's married to Gilda, right? Gilda Radner. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. saw that she was actually in love with Gene Wilder. So uh, he just stepped aside. And, and to bring it around. The, yeah. And to bring it around to the Bottle Rockets, he tried to get the Bottle Rockets on Saturday Night Live and they were going to have them on until the until the bookers saw a picture of them. I said, oh, no. No. <laughs> no. 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 Oh, no. Okay. He's a Uh, huge Bottle Rockets fan. Well, bootlegs, bootlegs. We've got bootlegs. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I was trying to speed things along because it's like there was just a whole lot to talk about and so little time to do it. But I'm going to go ahead and knock out my five bootlegs because, I mean, I have quite a a massive collection. Not bragging, (laughs) but I've got... I mean, there's nothing to brag about. It's just piles of junk. But as far as cassettes and CDs and stuff, tons of Almond Brothers and a bunch of great... I'm not even a big Grateful Dead fan, but I've got tons of Grateful Dead that people have traded me over the years and all like that. But funny that none of the Almonds or the Dead ended up in my top five. My number five is... A band called R.E.M. Rapid Eye Movement from Athens, Georgia. And the uh, bootleg is called Stitchcraft. Recorded at a club in Athens called Stitchcraft in 1983. It's a two-CD soundboard which finds Michael Stipe and the guys taking requests from the audience. And they do... <laughs> Such chestnuts as I Got You, Babe, Route 66, Secret Agent Man, Folsom Prison Blues, Rave On, and Sweet Jane. Of course, they do one of my favorite REM songs, Don't Go Back to Rockville, and Seven Chinese Brothers. Stitchcraft by R.E.M., 1983, Athens, Georgia. So cool.
Number four, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, Hammersmith Odeon, London, England, 1975. Soundboard recording, the E Street Band never sounded better, opening with the definitive Thunder Road with 10th Avenue Freeze Out, Lost in the Flood, Jungle Land, Kitty's Back, Rosalita, Detroit Medley. The entire band was smoking. Clarence Clemens at his peak. The big man, Bruce, too. And the encore on that show was their cover of Gary U.S. Bond's Quarter to Three. Hammersmith, Odeon, Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band, 1975. Number three, Kiss. First bootleg I ever bought in my life was at Wax and Facts in Atlanta, Georgia. And I bought the Kiss Fried Alive LP, recorded May 31st, 1974, Long Beach Auditorium on vinyl. And it was the early Kiss, of course, but to me, the early Kiss was the best Kiss. My first kiss, and that was the title of my kiss book that I wrote, First Kiss, because to me, the first time I saw them opening for Black Oak, Arkansas in 1974 would be hard to beat, I guess, is because it was so freaking new. And yes, I mean, it was just simple effects like fire engine lights on top of the amps and paper confetti falling from the ceiling and simple flash pots and Lydia Chris had made the costumes out of vinyl so it would look like leather and a big Marshall, empty Marshall cabinets uh, <laughs> that had PV stuck in the back of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Kiss Fried Alive, 1974. Number two is a tie between two bootlegs by the same band. One of my favorite groups, Lone Justice. And uh, one of them is called The Western Tapes from 1983, which is their first ever recorded demos. And then The Vault Tapes, their uh, first 12 track set of tunes that was supposed to be their first album. Both bootlegs have been released in proper form now, but for many years, they were only available on the black market, which is where I got mine to start with. Lone Justice, uh, such a raw country punk, cow punk band in the beginning. I mean, they were always good, but in the beginning, they just had, dare I say, the eye of the tiger. Uh, please make your own survivor joke right here. Uh, number one, number one, number one, number one for me. Yes, we've already mentioned this fella today. One of my favorite artists of all time is David Bowie. This is Bowie in Cleveland, November 25th, 1972. Ziggy Stardust. Man, yeah, Ziggy Stardust changes. Life on Mars. Space Oddity. Andy Warhol. Gene Genie, Rock and Roll Suicide, recorded from a radio broadcast, the very best of Bowie during his peak of stardom. David Bowie, November 25th, 1972. Where were you? I don't know where I was, and I probably didn't know where I was at the time. 
<laughs> so with that, on to the next guy. Let's go with... Who wants to go next? Raise your hand. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, all right, all right I can go. All right. All right, well, you know... Um, the first three bootlegs I thought of when you when you said this had actually been released legitimately since then. That's Prince's Black Album, uh, Elvis Costello and the Attractions Live at the Elma Combo, and Dylan's Royal Albert Hall concert that was actually recorded, I think, in Manchester, not the Royal Albert Hall. But all those are actually out legitimately. So I went through, I dug out a bunch of cassettes. I You can't see this, but I'm holding in my hand a big stack of cassettes to remind me what I have. And my bootlegs are overwhelmingly uh, tilted toward probably my three favorite 80s bands. So I'm just going to stick with those three and go with what you know. And so these are in rough chronological order, not preference order. But the first band is R.E.M. And I'm going back earlier than Buff. I've got a tape here that has two bootlegs on it. So I'm going to count those as one pick. One of them's called Body Count at Tyrone's. And the other is called Chronic Murmurings. And they're both from 1980. Oh. And uh, Body Count at Tyrone's was recorded uh, on October 4th, 1980. It's a soundboard from uh, a, a club called Tyrone's and it's got a bunch of REM songs that, that you've probably never heard. This is back when they were very, very new and playing a bunch of stuff that was more just straight ahead fast jangle pop than anything that became as artsy as what they turned into. And Chronic Murmurings is demos of a bunch of the same songs that they did uh, in, I think they did it back in the back of the record store where Peter Buck worked. So this is stuff that is, uh, that, that is you know, not really known and sounds a lot different, but is a whole different chapter of R.E.M. And I used to listen to these obsessively. And many, many years later, I'm sitting in a theater watching this movie with Tom Cruise called Vanilla Sky, when all of a sudden one of those songs from one of those forgotten R.E.M. songs from the bootleg came on the soundtrack and I about died they had uh, redone this song called All the Right Friends for, the, for that soundtrack. Um, you know, I thought it would be, all these songs were kind of lost to the mists of time. All these early cool uh, and different REM songs. So that's my, uh, that's my first pick. My second pick is also an REM. This one's been bootlegged a bunch of times under a bunch of titles. The one I have is just called Live in Chicago. It is uh, from their Reckoning Tour. It was recorded on... Uh, July 7th, 1984. And I actually saw the band the night before this was recorded. In, I saw them in Milwaukee. Uh, but uh, the, the live Chicago bootleg is uh, very cool. Um, they do uh, the Velvet Underground's Pale Blue Eyes. They do a bunch of songs from the first two REM full-length records, Murmur and Reckoning, as well as some stuff from uh, the EP Chronic Town. Uh, and uh, I listened to that constantly um back in the day as well because it was much like the songs were in a different order and the, the show i saw in in milwaukee was longer but this was a live radio broadcast so it's high quality bootleg uh, and you can find it under many different names uh but it's recorded live in chicago uh in uh july of 1984. next band the replacements i got two replacements picks the first one <laughs> is from uh, CBGB's in, in New York City, recorded on 
December 9th, 1984. And it was kind of a warm up for a show they had at Irving Plaza. And they were not advertised as replacements. They were advertised as Gary and the Boners. And this, you know, there's an excellent uh, online blog website thing that has an archive of all the replacement shows that have that are known to have been recorded it's simply called and, the Replacements live archive yeah okay it's called the replacements live archive and um <laughs> you know you go through and they say well this was a good show because they uh, you know they got to the end of almost every song uh <laughs> but in describing the cbgb show they just say this is a drunken mess and they do say that Alex Chilton and Gene Simmons were both in the audience that night at CB's and they got, and you know, the boys were famous for playing drunk and they started playing covers, but singing the words to their own songs. For example, they have a song called F school. It does, it's not F, but we can't <laughs> say that on, the, on this. But anyway, so they play the Beatles song, Let It Be, but sing the lyrics to F School uh, while they're playing. It's just hilarious. It's just hilarious. And so that's my first. Or we're about to sign to Sire and there were a bunch of Sire yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's it's got a ton of stuff. It just got a, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. It's, it's a mess in the most beautiful way. Uh, and then the second replacements bootleg, Something that Mr. Beach already mentioned. The date was November 5th, 1985, because I've got a little sticky on my cassette. Replacements live at Amelia Earhart's Deli, Iowa City, Iowa. December or November 5th, 1985. You actually have a physical cassette of that. I do. Do wow. you not? No, no. I've just you have got it digitally. No, I've got it digitally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I do have a cassette from, from, it's an audience recording and, and I've got it not too long after, after the show. And, uh, it's a great performance. It is Maybe a fantastic, I Maybe I do too. just a fantastic performance. Um, this is one of the nights they were on and when they were on, they were amazing. And, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's the, exactly the right time, right? When Tim was out, Bob was still in the band. It's it's within a couple months of the officially released Maxwell's uh, live CD from Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, so uh, it's comparable to that, a little looser, not quite as well recorded, but it's terrific. And then my last one is also a Minneapolis band, Husker Du. And this is uh -huh. another one that's been bootlegged many, many times under many different titles because it was also a, it was uh, a show for, for spin magazine and there was a promo that went out uh, a two disc promo that went out and it's been bootlegged a ton of times under a ton of titles um but it's from uh august 28th 1985 first avenue in minneapolis it was when their their record flip your wig had come out and what who's uh -huh. used to do was they would start their sh shows with you know a set of songs from the new record um and so this started with started with the first three songs off the, the, the Flip Your Wig album. Flip Your Wig, Every Everything, then Makes No Sense at All. And then they go into Girl Who Lives on Heaven Hill, and then I Apologize, and then If I Told You, and then Folklore, and then Don't Want to Know If You're Lonely. And for those of us who are Husker Du fans, just track after track after track is just one of the best things you've ever heard. Uh, loud, 
guitars, melodies, Keith Moonish drumming from from Grant Hart. Just, just they were just a powerhouse, and that that record that bootleg uh is uh you can get it gray market now on amazon from overseas from a bunch of other from a bunch of people have are bootlegging that now but back in the day we just listened to that incessantly so that's my last one first avenue minneapolis minnesota august 28th 1985 who's do nice list man i'll tell you, you guys got me um you're going to probably be, you're going to cyber slap me when I say this. Uh, I don't know anything about Who's Do, but you two guys, I absolutely love them so much that you need I'm going to gonna dig right in God. and find out about this band. <laughs> I've got start to. With, start, start with Flip Your Wig and then go to uh, Do Day Rising. Okay. That's yeah. my that's my recommendation for, for someone who's new to the band. Well, I've learned quite a few things that i probably never would have had i not ever met you guys so uh i've learned to trust your opinion very well so uh i'll check it out i'll check it out and speaking of checking it out let's go to my favorite place of all god i love the beach let's go to patrick beach and see what he's got to say about bootlegs well, um, uh, as as Jim sort of alluded, uh, there's a there's a great deal of controversy about what a bootleg is, yep. or is not these days. Uh, back in the day, back in our day, it would be a record that you would find at a record show, or uh, the owner of the record shop that you came to know quite well would you know sell it to you from underneath the counter and say, "Don't tell anybody where you got this." Uh, so uh, some of my picks are quasi-legitimate, like Prince's The Black Album. I don't even remember the precise circumstances. It, it seems to me, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, that this was uh, pressed as a promo only, and then he changed his mind at the last minute. I think it was pressed to be released. They destroyed a bunch of copies, was, the, was what I had always heard. I also heard that... Uh, he or the label thought it was too dirty after it yeah. was pressed, but then it was like released to the world. Uh, yep. So I've had to scramble a little bit to not be too repetitive to y'all because Michael, as soon as you, uh, as soon as you mentioned REM, I, I realized on my wall of vinyl, I had at least two or three. Uh, oh yeah. Look at that. I like oh, that. I got uh -huh. that. That's, is that the Seattle one? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Is that's a good Seattle. one too. And uh, it's a it is labeled as, as a promo and it's copyrighted. There's no year on it, but from the set list, it looks to be Reckoning era. Yeah. And uh, in the encore, they play "So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star." Yeah. I was trying to I was trying to think of how many bands REM covered, and and the answer is not many. You know, the Velvets, Pylon, uh, of course, whoever did Superman. <clears throat> Well, you, 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 I don't think I think you missed my list on, on my show. They they ran the gamut on that show, that bootleg show, because they covered Sonny and Cher. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you, babe. And uh, yeah, I, I actually things. made my own. I made my own bootleg uh, that has an entire forty-five minutes of REM live covers. Um, yeah, this one here they did Secret Agent Man, Route sixty-six, yep. and. 
Folsom Prison Blues and Rayvon and Sweet Jane and man, they it's did, just, uh, just crazy. And they were taking requests. Anything that night that the audience yelled out, they would try to play it. <laughs> they did uh, well, uh, Bo, Bo Diddley's Pills. Asking yeah, yeah, Lord, yeah. God, what a fun band. Yeah. At well, least in the beginning it was. I, I guess it yes. still is. I don't know. Or, or, I mean, you know, later on. When they became superstars, it was still a great band. But, I mean, it, I was fortunate enough to get to see them when they were playing free concerts out on the lawn at UGA and um, with uh, Natalie uh, Merchant and um, 2000 Maniacs and all those. And I don't know, it, it'd be hard to beat that and the 40-watt club shows and stuff like that. But anyway, I'll shut up now. Go ahead. Got another REM one for you, though. Um, this is uh, from 1983. It's called Smoking in the Boys' Room. Yeah. Uh, uh, 13 tracks, and they cover, Jim, tell me if this is a new one to you, they cover Smoking in the Boys' Room. I don't think I have that one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, well, actually, you know what? I'm just pulling out a cassette. I do have that. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm trying to find uh, my uh, my vinyl copy of the early replacements, which is like uh, demo recordings of uh, of the pre-Slim Dunlap band. But uh, I'm going to say one of my picks, since I haven't listened to it for years and years, and I'm going to as soon as we get done here, so that I can avoid helping my wife with landscaping today is I'm going to listen to We're Blinking Just As Fast As We Can, R.E.M. Live in Seattle. Who knows when, probably around the time Reckoning came out. And I'm, I'm sticking with the Black Album, whatever the circumstances were, because it's just fantastic. It's, it's the best quasi-legitimate release uh, I can think of. I'm also going with Elvis at the Elma Combo, because I had it uh, as soon as it was available, basically. And of course, I'm old now, and so is it, and so is he. <laughs> I've heard great, some of though. his. I've heard some of his new record, and it sounds pretty great too. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And of course, uh, he's married to Diana Krall, um, but I did not. I did not know until I heard him do a couple of interviews for this new uh, record that he lives in Vancouver, BC, and he's been because Krall is Canadian, and he's been writing and recording like a fiend. So maybe one of the silver linings to this ghastly freaking year is we're just going to get a torrent of new music out. Um, sorry. Another one for uh, Lindale's Burning. Jim, you probably never would have even heard of that if it hadn't been for me. <laughs> is that is that what it is that the title of the the first avenue show that you have? It's, un, it's under several uh it's under several titles and iterations and cover art. But so but yeah, I remember uh I remember listening to that on the radio. What is the one that you have? This well, <clears throat> I, I had it on cassette back in the day. Yeah. I've, and my cassette just says live in Minneapolis. Yeah. I've got this, I've got this two disc set called, do you remember radio that has that show? And then it has a really early show from San Francisco in 1981. So it's the early hardcore ish stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, so anyway, but yeah, little, it I, is, it's, it's available under several different titles. 
I got to go a little Iowa underground for just a second. Jim, did you have any idea that Husker Du played uh, So's Your Mother? Uh, yes, I had heard that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know him back then. So, I'm, number I'm gonna, one, John. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pat. No, my number one. And I'm surprised. Uh, I'm as surprised as anyone that I get this one all to myself. The Brussels Affair, the Rolling Stones. The greatest oh, bootleg of all time. Absolutely the greatest bootleg of all time. This was the uh, <clears throat> Exile Tour, and uh, they were at the height of their decadence. There's a story that's about three-quarters true about Bobby Keys, their saxophone player from Lubbock. Uh, they're playing uh, they're, they're, they're playing in Brussels or, or somewhere, somewhere, maybe in Bruges, and... Uh, Bobby Keys is supposed to be on stage for sound check and he's not there. So somebody goes back to the hotel to find Bobby Keys and they go into Bobby Keys' room. And the reason he's not at sound check is because he's in the bathtub, which is filled with champagne and two girls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's completely true. This friend, this friend of mine from Lubbock, uh, who's a music writer, interviewed him and and that that is not 100 percent true but it's good enough that i want to believe it the part about bobby keys and that tour that is true is he spent so much money he wound up owing the stones at the end of the tour yeah. you know man you're talking about the story and you don't know if it's true or not what i like about the stones it, it could easily be true yeah yeah, really true. You know, yeah. i mean whether, whether it's true or not exactly. it could easily be true yeah absolutely. you know i gotta say when you mentioned bobby keys i i just have to say this i was one of the very fortunate people journalists very very fortunate that had the opportunity to meet him and um do a little interview and everything and all I got to say is, what a nice guy. Just a really, really, really nice guy. And it's like, you know, one of my buddies plays with the Stones is Chuck Lavelle that plays the keyboards. And Chuck is a good friend. And uh, it's hard to believe, you know. <laughs> I don't know the guy that sets up the set list for the Rolling Stones. But, you know, life is funny that way. You just never know, you know. It's like uh, it go from being an Almond Brother to being the Rolling Stones uh, band director. I mean, it's pretty good. But you know, um, all those guys, Bobby Keys, all those guys. About Bobby Keys, didn't didn't he do a bunch of sessions for like Stacks and and Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he was a session guy uh, on, as well as being a the stone side guy big time yes yes yeah that's yeah that's what i thought man he yeah billy do you have any bootlegs you want to throw out here at i don't 20? I well don't. all right well where we're at where <laughs> we, uh, i started to say we uh we missed you while you were gone but we knew you had I, business. yeah i as uh y'all all know about griffin and i don't know about the listeners i have a i have an adult autistic son who uh lives in a group home and in lockdown we do a, I have a FaceTime with him, uh, every, uh, every Saturday afternoon and I would move the time, but any of y'all that are familiar with, with autism disorder, no, yeah, no, you don't monkey with the schedule. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, if I, if I change, if I change the time, I mean, we, we would still be dealing with the fallout 
three or four weeks from now. I'd like to say that anybody that, you know, I'd like to say this. I've got other friends who have autistic children, and I've, I've known autistic people, and I've got autistic friends. And I think that everybody, everybody should Google it and read more about autism and become aware. And I think that everybody should do their part if they have the ability financially to support research for autism. And also, if you don't know what Billy's talking about, one example, watch the movie Rain Man and see how Dustin Hoffman's character uh, reacts to things. And, because and let me just say, that's a he pretty got, good he example. He got really, really close on that performance, man. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's like, don't change, you know, on the show, on the movie, he had to be at a certain place to watch the People's Court Judge Wapner right. every day. And, and, yeah. Right, and that's on the schedule, and if it's on the schedule, we do it when it's on the schedule. And at the and, same time, there's that genius level. It's like when the... Yeah, you know, well, when the toothpicks fall down on the floor and he, he can tell you how many there are. Yeah, but that's really pretty rare. That's I mean, it's rare, rare, but it that, happens. That's a, that's a savant thing, and that's, and, and, and that's I mean, man, that, that's rare as hints to you. Uh, I do but, know a guy but, like that, though, man. But the uh, well, you know, if you think about their memory and the way that they in the way that they remember and process things, uh, Griffin will remember stuff uh, the calendar day of something that happened 15 years ago and out of the blue he'll come up on that day and point to the calendar i'm yeah. thinking about that remember when we played all those uh walk now for autism events jim oh yeah absolutely. and it was like six years after the last one we did and on the saturday when it would have been had they still been doing it griffin comes up to me and points at the calendar and goes walk now yeah, Griffin, they, they stopped doing that like seven or eight years ago. But yeah, yeah. If they still did it, today would be the day that we would go yeah. and walk now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, I, think, you know, I think somewhere down the line that us four guys should, you know, once this COVID thing leaves us the hell alone, I think we should try and put together some sort of a show fundraiser for, uh, Billy talked about this with me years ago but do some sort of a big thing for autism and pull, pull all of our resources as far as musicians and, and do something, you know, God, I mean, that's what we're here for is to help other people. And, and I just, uh, my heart goes out to, you know, to, especially to parents like Billy, uh, parents of uh, autistic children, because it is a tough road to hoe. I mean, people just don't realize how much it entails, and I do. And, you know, I just want to say that we all are, uh, we all need well, to do more. We need to all do our part to help others, okay? It's just I, I that pre- simple. I appreciate that thought, Buff, and one of the things that I always find amusing when when uh, people, and people find out you have uh, a special needs uh, special needs child and Jim, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, they, they feel somehow like they need to offer you some a- affirmation, you know, well, you're yeah, doing such a good job. Sure. Are you doing, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And I always, always like this when they go, well, 
man, you, you guys are saints, but I wouldn't be in your shoes. Well, hell, neither would we if we could fucking get them yeah. off. Man. <laughs> it wasn't like it, was, it wasn't like we checked the box. We didn't really sign up for it. Right. And, well, nobody and, ever and, nobody ever knows how to handle things. It's just well, like people well, don't know how to handle death. I mean, you don't know what to say when somebody's relative died. You don't know what well, to say when they've got an I, autistic I, child or uh, – or anything well, like that. You just kind of try to figure out the best thing to do. The the thing the thing is is uh I I've noticed a tendency of people wanting to almost kind of deify the parents, man. They're like, You're doing such a good job. Oh. No parents are sitting no parents are sitting down and thinking, Oh, what do we do to do a good job? Yeah. You, you know you know how it works? You you get up go ahead, Pat. You have experienced that personally, right? Nobody's trying to defy you. Well, no, I meant, I meant, I meant, just, I meant special needs parents in general. Uh, and the thing is, people are like, well, how do you do it? The same goddamn way everybody does everything. We get up in the morning, we pull our boots on, we look around at what has to happen, and then we start dealing with the most immediate thing in front of us. That's yeah. how it works, just like everything else. It's, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, it, it is, it does make your life different. I mean, you know. First of all, I don't know that Billy and I ever would have started playing together if it hadn't been for, you know, or, we met in a support group. Met. For, <laughs> we met in a support group for parents of special needs kids. And, uh, you know, you just, you just, it's, it makes your life different, but you just deal. That's what, yeah. that's how, it, that's how it works. And I, and I would also say this, I think people that don't have special needs kids are, 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 they're able in a way, man, to focus more on the special needs part in a way that the parents and Jim, I think you'll agree with me on this. We don't do that because I don't think a group in this. Oh, well, he's our special needs one. It just, right. They're just your kids. Okay. What do we, That's all right. Right, what do we, what, and, and what do we have to do? Okay. We have to do this for this one and that for this one. And yeah. you know, and, it, and, and the thing is, uh, he's like, Oh, well, it must be really difficult. I guess if you stopped and thought about it and made a comparison chart, maybe, but I mean, I don't know any parents that, that think about it in, in, you know, depths and depth chart things of how difficult it is. It's just what we have. And, uh, and Jim, uh, Meredith being your oldest and I've only got the two biological the twins, you know, people are like, man, was it hard? It, Compared to what? I didn't have any kids before that. I, you know, I, it, I, I can't say it was hard or even different for me. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. For me, it was different. For us, it was different because you know, <laughs> Meredith was our first, and then we had a second daughter who is, who's you know, a typical, typical uh, uh, teenager child, typical teenager, almost twenty now. She's in college. A, te- a, oh, a wow. typical teenage girl that's really tall. <laughs> yeah, she's she's really tall and pretty smart and out a, in college. And Meredith's still at home with us. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's just different. It makes your life different. There are things, you know, I you know, I it, it it's it's different. But Billy's right. You do what you you do what you do. It's your kid, you know, and you yeah, exactly uh, yeah. Do what because, you need to do to. They're your kids. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I don't have, I don't have the experience that you two do. But you know, you die for your kids. You do anything for your. Of course, kids. you got a kid just oh, playing guitar, man. You're in word. You're yeah, yeah. You know what we're talking. About. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You guys make great points there. You make great points. I. This has nothing to do with that, but I just wanted to say this publicly. Um, 
you know, thinking about special needs made me think of uh, seeing a girl yesterday, a blind girl, who had a service dog, right? A German right. Shepherd at the store. Here's my thing. I want to appeal to anybody who's listening to do me a favor. When you see a blind person with a service dog, do not try to pet their dog. They're not pets. Do not. They're not pets. They are working animals. And and do not, because the dog may, the dog may very well chop your hand off because they're also very protective. Right. But the thing is, I mean, don't feel sorry for someone who has no sight. Don't be, you know, condescending. Oh, you poor thing. And that thing, that just makes me so ill. I've got a couple of friends blind since birth, both musicians, Ricky and Ronnie Godfrey. Had a band called Garfield Ruff, and then Ronnie played with Marshall Tucker. Guys blind since birth. They can they can run circles around me doing anything. They, I mean, if I could do half as well as them. So don't look at one of them and go, oh, you poor thing. You don't have sight. Don't do. They don't want that, and they also don't want you touching their service animal. Please, 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 don't do that. Okay, that's just me begging you. Okay, now for next week's program, uh, your mission, guys, if you decide to accept it, stems from an email I got from one Patrick Beach several weeks ago, and I think it's a great topic. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not about Husker Du. Um, <laughs> is, it a, is it about Kiss? It's not about it's Kiss not about, or Husker Du or, or the dolls but it, or the replacements. But Spring, it is. Springsteen? It, or Springsteen. It's about Thunder Road exclusively. No, it's about. No, it's about. That album sucks. God, that songs sucks. that are better than Thunder Road. Songs that are better than Thunder Road. <laughs> Man, songs about th- five Tom Petty songs that are better than five, Thunder Road. Five, <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, this is out of hand. How do I reel this back in? No, is um, this your trick? Is it's going to be. Trick? It's going <laughs> to remember. We are all old enough to remember forty-five RPM records. We're actually we're, old enough that we don't remember. <laughs> yeah, we remember seventy-eights. <laughs> we're old enough that we've forgotten what they were. We remember <laughs> wire recorders. No. Uh, the uh, 45s, A-side, B-side, and um, everything like that. But Patrick's thing was uh, how a very interesting songs. We want to talk about, each of us will pick five records that the B-side ended up doing better than the A-side as far as airplay and sales and all that kind of stuff. Surprises, you know put a record out and all of a sudden the DJs decide to play the flip side instead of the A side. How about we say, uh, in addition to that, we say whether it hit or not, it was a better song than the A side. So what? Okay. Say that again. How about we say instead of exclusively, 
it hit bigger than the A side. It oh. was a better song. Than so, okay, the better well, song was yeah. on the was the bit was the backing track. Yeah. Okay, okay. better song. I like that. That 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 makes it a lot easier. Yes. This ought to be fun, man. As y'all know, man, I'm a deep cut B side guy anyway. You are a B side kind of guy. I, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I never, a, I never ever bought an album for the for the hits. Man. And uh, speaking of B sides, um. I know we got to go, but I've got to share this. I had a dream about Billy Eli last night. And oh, yes, God, was, please, yes, please, let's don't do this on the air. Yes, it was. Uh, yes, it was fully closed. That's what the blue moon is doing to you. It's the, uh, blue it's the blue moon, and I'm not even drinking blue moon. I'm drinking Coors. Hey, boom, drum roll, please. No, um, I dreamed that I did an album called Buff Sings Billy. And I was doing God. all covers of Bill Eli songs. Okay, and when you say dream, you mean nightmare? <laughs> no, actually, in my dream, it was the greatest thing I'd ever recorded. Hempel was playing on it. I'm not sure if Beach was on it, but it should have been. Of course Beach was on it. Of course, some of a I Beach. Th- I, I think you need to get here to Austin as soon as this madness ends and we need to make that record i think so and i think we should call it uh what was that big ten bucket yeah big ten bucket that's an awesome callback that's an awesome callback billy i couldn't even get it out of my mouth before and people ask me why i drink yeah 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 i think they quit asking that a long time ago um so anyway that's it and we will be uh it's so much fun that i almost hate to stop recording but we'll we'll do it's halloween happy halloween everybody yeah it is a spooktacular kind of day be safe and uh happy day to all you halloweeners and if you're you're lucky (laughs) i hope you're all as lucky as pat to have a wife that brings you candy no, it turns out it wasn't even for me. She's oh, okay. Oh, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that's really? okay. All I got was a rock. <laughs> damn. <laughs> damn. All right. Later, kids. The, the candy The candy wasn't yours? Uh, now, we, we got the front yard decorated, and uh, Cindy sent out an email to the neighborhood group saying, hey, since we're supposed to be contactless, we're going to have a table full of candy and y'all can just come by and get it we do have kids in the neighborhood and like uh eight or ten other people are going to put out tables just like we are because of her suggestion the kids be grabbing a handful of candy baby oh yeah all right bye see y'all there's a light on yonder mountain and it's calling me to shine there's a girl or by the water fountain and she's asking to be mine and Jesus is standing in a doorway in a buckskin jacket boots and spurs so fine says we need your son tonight up in Dodge City Cause it's just too many outlaws trying to work the same line
That was the incomparable Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band from the brand new album, A Letter to You, and a really cool song that he wrote back in his 20s. Man, uh, I just love the lyrics. I just love that song. It's called If I Was the Priest on the Kudzu Radio Hour. Kudzu Radio Hour today has been brought to you by dum, da, da, dum, 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 the Boxmasters. The Boxmasters Band out of Los Angeles. Got a drummer you may have heard of by the name of Bud Thornton, also known as Billy Bob Thornton, Oscar and Golden Globe winning actor, and also a great drummer, singer, songwriter, and his partner in crime, J.D. Andrew. Together, J.D. and Billy Bob just churn out song after song, and they're all good. There's a bunch of them on the brand new album, Light Rays. Light Rays is, to me, their best album yet. And that's saying a lot because I'm a fan. You can get Light Rays on vinyl, on CD, on downloads, etc., etc., etc. Plus, a whole lot more swag has been added to the online store just this past week by JD. I mean, there's things from past tours, there's t shirts, there's memorabilia. There's shot glasses, ashtrays, huh? What? Everything, baby. Everything you want. Boxmasters related at theboxmasters.com. Tell them we sent you. Tell them Michael Buffalo sent you. They know who I am. <laughs> they ought to know by now I bug them enough. No, I'm just kidding. Great guys. Just great, great, great guys. The program's also brought to you always by Springer Mountain Farms. Do you like chicken? I like chicken. Springer Mountain Farms has fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts, none of that crap ever. Healthy chicken, healthy chicken raised responsibly. Did you hear me when I said family farms? It's not corporate farms where they feed them all kinds of garbage. It's family farms where they care for these birds. They take care of them. They raise them up, and you are you can be guaranteed that you're getting the healthiest chicken that you're going to get. Yep, that's true, baby, and I love it. You can order your chicken online and have it delivered to your house or uh, for no-contact delivery, or you can pick it up at your grocery store. SpringerMountain.com, SpringerMTN.com. It's so good. I tell you what, go to SpringerMountain.com, get you some bird, and tell Gus and Susan we said hey and that we sent you their way. And uh, they may even give you a discount coupon. I don't know if you're good, if you're kind. I don't know. But even if they don't, it's priced right. It's priced right. And it's uh, such a good value. I go and I pick it up in the frozen section, frozen meat. And I will take me some of those skinless, boneless chicken breasts. And I'll take one and thaw one of them puppies out, put it on my Cuisinart grill. Uh, I got you so used to saying my Foreman grill, but my Foreman grill, after 20 years, bit the dust. So I got me a Cuisinart 
And I like saying that word, Quasinart. Isn't that a fun word? Let's all say Quasinart. Can you say that? Quasinart. Sure. Sure. I knew that you could. Um, yes. But we're here to talk about chicken. Springer Mountain Farms. <sighs> yeah, man. Good stuff. Well, we do thank our sponsors, and we thank you for listening. I want to thank my uh, co-host, Billy Eli, Patrick Beach, and Jim Hemphill, as always, for their kindness and willingness to participate in the podcast. Next week on The Big Show, we're going to talk about 45 RPM records. Remember those? And we're going to talk about 45s that where we feel uh each of us feels that the b-side was actually better song than the a-side i'm sure you're familiar with that in radio and all the a-side is the one that gets pushed to radio and the b-side is usually a throwaway but in some cases it ends up becoming the bigger hit or in some cases you know we just flip the record over as teens or whatever, and uh, our kids, me as a teen, the other guys as kids, <laughs> and uh, enjoyed the uh, other side. So we will be back next week, uh, and we thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check us out again next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, later, kids. <laughs>